I'm so excited about this morning because <clears throat> God's got a word for us. He's got a message for us. And everything that has happened this morning points to that message. And I'm so excited because God's so, so good. Even in the tiniest things, he is detailed and deliberate and planned. And I'm so excited for what God's going to do in our lives today. A few weeks ago, <clears throat> I was driving to the hospital to take my son to an appointment. And it's a road that I have frequently travelled. And as I was driving, I was talking to God and it was in a particularly busy season. I was feeling a bit tired, but I was thanking him for being with me, being with my family, for walking with us. And I was thanking him for the way that he provides for us. But I was also think, asking God this question, God, how do we, how do I walk with a strong faith every day? How do I, despite what's going on in life, walk with confidence and complete assurance in what God can do in my life. And recently, I've seen um, God move in so many people's lives when we have prayed. I have seen God bring miracles and bring comfort, to heal relationships. I've seen people pick up desires that they have long since put down. And I stand today saying, my faith is strengthened because of that. God wants to move in our lives. And he wants us to be people with bolstered, strong faith. So as I was driving, I'm talking to God and I'm saying, God, how do we have this sustained faith in all areas of our lives every day? I mean, is that, is that the goal? And I'm talking to God and I'm asking him these questions. And I look out the window, which I was constantly looking out the window, just so you know, because I was driving. But I had gone to completely the wrong destination. I had gone, have you done that before? I had gone completely the wrong direction and arrived at the wrong place. <laughs> it was frustrating. But actually, do you know what I did? I just laughed hysterically. And I made sure I rang Matt, because I had to tell him what a silly bunny I'd been. And I turned around and I went back to where I was supposed to be. It's such an ironic moment for me, because here I was saying, God, what is the way to have a strong, bolstered faith? And while I'm asking him for the way, I lose my way, and I turn around and I hear God say to me, Unfa unwavering faith, Alison, <laughs> is all about how we connect ourselves to him. That when we go about our busy days, whether it's the normal mundane things like changing nappies and cooking dinner or going to work, or a day that's really busy and tiring or you've had people at you all day, or we're walking through a season of crisis, Intentionally connecting ourselves to him is the key to sustained faith. And sometimes, guess what? We get off track <laughs> and we go in the wrong direction. It's never, ever too late to turn around. 
And so this morning, I want every person in this room to know deeply that they are loved by a God who so desperately desires to connect closely with you in a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, active faith in him so that you can believe once again. Maybe you need to pick up that belief once again that nothing is impossible for God. Yeah. So I just want to start this morning by reading an account in 1 Samuel. And I read this a few weeks ago and God just really spoke to me about it. Lots in it, actually. And let's hope I get the names right. Don't crucify me. Mm. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, just for the first 18 verses, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the, re- in the region of Zuth, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth of Ephraim. I did it. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Don't get caught up on that. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. And each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Didn't practice that one. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as she went to the tabernacle and every time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once after a sacrificial meal in Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, and seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she must have been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In this case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And she went back and began eating again. And she was no longer sad. 
Elkanah and his family would travel to Shiloh every year to sacrifice and to worship God in the tabernacle. And year after year, Hannah would endure taunts of others. It's not hard to actually imagine how anxious this woman would have been because having a child was expected of her. Being a married woman and not having any children at all would have been humiliating to the core. And Hannah was deeply hurting. And we see that she was in deep anguish, crying bitterly to the Lord. She called on God and said, look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, God. She was reduced to tears and would not eat. She was very discouraged. And her prayers were said out of great anguish and sorrow. Can you imagine what her prayers might have been like when she was alone at night? I can imagine her pleading and begging with God to give her a child. God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Spare me from this misery. I'm desperate. God, provide, make a way. God, this is not what I had in mind. And God, why? Hannah went to the tabernacle with her family to worship the Lord because she knew that God could answer her prayers. And she knew that God could help her and she needed him to desperately move in his life. She knew she needed God. And I can imagine that pretty much everyone in this room has prayed prayers like that at some point in their lives, right? God, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I imagined. I didn't want this. I didn't plan this. God, I need it to change. God, I need your help. I'm sure that at some time in our lives we poured out our heart to God because we feel discouraged. We ha our hearts are burdened. And we are begging him to please notice our sorrow, God, and answer our prayers. What I find amazing about Hannah is that despite her pain, she kept showing up to worship God. She didn't stop going to worship her God. She didn't stop bringing her requests to God and pouring out her heart to him. Over and over and over, she brought her disappointment to God and kept asking him to hear her and answer her prayers. Hannah was thirsty for God to move in her life. And I wonder, have you come to this tabernacle, to this church, thirsty for God to do something in your life? I don't know what heavy burden you might be carrying Maybe it's a difficult workplace or a crisis, ill health, absolute exhaustion, loneliness. We all know what it is like to live days where we just want to get out. <laughs> and it's tiring. You know, after Eli the priest had seen Hannah's anguish as she was praying in the tabernacle, Han Eli said to her, 
Go in peace and may, the God, may God give you your heart's desires. And Eli had in, was encouraging Hannah with what he believed God could do. And Hannah left the tabernacle in peace. It says that she was able to eat again and she was no longer sad. But she, it wasn't because she suddenly and instantly had all the desires that she had instantly um, resolved and come to fruition in her life in that very moment. But because she had intentionally positioned herself to regularly worship God and meet with him and bring her needs and desires, and she wasn't afraid to tell him what she needed and what she desired, She was encouraged and she found peace right in the middle of her continuing and unresolved heartbreak. She was at peace while waiting for God to provide. There's something that we have to know today. Yes, God wants to help us and he wants to give us the desires of our hearts. He wants us to ask for that miracle and he wants to answer our prayers and he does. But changing the things in our lives, having those hard things brought to resolution or that hard thing completely removed from your life will not quench your thirst or provide you relief in the ways that you desire. Because change circumstance is not the goal. Jesus, he is the goal. And as followers of Jesus, he is our goal. Connecting to him, building a strong relation with him, walking daily with him. You know, this is not just for the special Christians. <laughs> this is for the everyday, all of us, the normative way for any Christian to live. He is our goal. He is not to be pursued only on Sundays if you, if you come. He wants a living, breathing relationship with us. All of us. No matter what we've done and no, how, no matter how bad we feel we are or how bad we think we are at it. That is our goal as Christians. And the way that Hannah interacted with God when in the midst of great trial, she chose to draw close in the way that they could draw close to the one who could do the impossible Hannah could have given up on God. She could have stopped asking and she could have given up all hope. A few months ago, I read some these um, statistics that were taken um, from Haiti and it was talking about how in Haiti, 60% of people consider themselves to be Catholic. 40% of people in Haiti consider themselves to be Protestant. And 100% of people in Haiti practice voodoo. In Haiti, voodoo infiltrates all religion. Why? Well, they believe in God. 
They just think he's slow. They use things like voodoo to try and help speed things up to get that healing, to get that answer. And they practice voodoo because they feel good about doing something about their situation. They might just get, they might arrive to their answer quicker. But how, it's not unlike us, is it? We often think that God is slow. <laughs> we want things to go away quicker, to change immediately. We don't want to wait. We want to be spared all discomfort and we will do whatever it takes. And sometimes this drive makes us treat God as slow and unaware and we turn towards other things maybe comfort us, numb us from feeling the way that we do. So this morning, these words from Isaiah for us, Isaiah 55, is anyone thirsty, come and drink. I hope straight away your mind is going to what Mitchell spoke about this morning. Come and drink. Here God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's asking is anyone thirsty? If you're thirsty, come and drink. What does it mean, really, to be thirsty? In Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. So, in the natural, why would a deer thirst for water? I mean, probably a bit um, obvious. It's thirsty, it needs, it's been running around, it's been chased, it's been hunted, it's been on the run, maybe it's hurt, maybe it wants water to help, to help its body recover and be restored, maybe they have, it's, there's been a drought, I don't know, do deers live in drought areas, I don't know, maybe they've been without water for too long, maybe there's a lack of water, they've got lost and they can't find the water that it needs. So it is with thirsty people that God is talking about. Thirst comes when we've been on the run and we're weary from battle. Thirst comes when we are hurting, when we feel disappointment, when we're broken, undone, overwhelmed, all those things. And thirst comes when we've been far from God for a long time, where we have not been intentional making Sure, we are connecting with him moment to moment. So is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. This is the invitation. Come as the thirsty and drink. Then it goes on to say that even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Come if you're thirsty and drink. It's free, you don't have to pay for a thing. Come even if you have no money. Come even if you have no strength. Come even if you cannot go on. Come. 
even if you've done the wrong thing. Come if you have no health. Come if you're running out of money. Come if you have no good track record with God at all. Come if you have no power, no position. Come if you've got nothing left. Because there's only one thing that you need to come and drink, and that's a thirst. If you're thirsty today, you are just the person God's inviting to come to him, and it's free. Just come and drink. Goes on in Isaiah 55 to say, Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Listen to me, and eat and enjoy And it's like, in case we're a bit confused, God says, come to me, not just if you're thirsty, come and drink, but if you are thirsty, come to me. Come specifically to God. Because that's where you drink and have your thirst satisfied and where you find all you need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. In fact, all that you consume when you come to God is good and it's the finest and it's the best. We'll be fully satisfied. In verse 6 and 7 it says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. And let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. To seek is to go to to ask for something, to make a request, to pursue. And God says, seek me while you can find me. Call on me while I am near. When can we find him? When he's near. And when is he near? Now. Always. He is never not near. He's always close. And it goes on to say that when we seek the Lord and call on him, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. God invites us to seek him and to call on him. And he invites us to change our ways. (laughs) Because when we seek God, as if we're a follower of Jesus, there's no mucking around with our sin. We're not playing a game. (laughs) Sin is something that we need to take seriously and to be on the watch out in our lives. God doesn't tolerate sin. God wants us to come as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay as we are. I also think when it comes to the sin in our lives that we can not only be a bit apathetic towards our need to deal with it, we can also have a weak view on how God deals with our sin. Because in the context of the world, if you think about it, if you stuff up, if you do the wrong thing, you pay for it. No matter where you are or what situation, you pay for it. It's like you have to somehow balance the scales, you have to pay for it because it needs to be fair and right. 
And not only that, the world is easily angered and incredibly difficult to appease. And so we end up thinking, look at me. God couldn't bear the sight of me after what I've done, the words I've spoken, the people I've hurt, the wrong thing that I've done. But this type of thinking can cause us to miss God's heart towards us because he's not like us. So what happens when we seek God while he's near, which is now? It says at the end of the verse, let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. So what happens when we seek God? When we turn to him, he has mercy on us. And not only that, he generously forgives. When we wander from God and when we make mistakes, when we choose to satisfy what we want and our desires rather than go to him, we don't get condemnation from him. We get the complete consolation of his love for us. We get compassion, we get mercy and we get abundant forgiveness. No matter how ashamed or how disgusted we are with ourselves, we don't, all we need to do is turn to him. Again, God is not like us. He doesn't think like us. And this is what's highlighted in the next couple of verses. And it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Where we might determine that we deserve punishment for our wrong ways or our wrong thoughts, God gives mercy and generous forgiveness. That's his way. When we turn from our sin and turn to God, we will find mercy and abundant forgiveness. That's what God will do. That's his higher way. And his thoughts that are nothing like our thoughts are just not mere reflections that he has. His thoughts reveal his heart and his purposes, his intentions, his plans. And most clearly in this passage, his heart is naturally bent for mercy and compassion. When we turn from our wrong ways and our wrong thoughts, we get to experience God's way and thoughts about us, which is compassion and love. He doesn't just accept us. His heart is completely set on us. And he also doesn't limit himself to working with the, the unspoiled, pure parts of us that remain after all the wrong things that we've done or after a lifetime of sin. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, which the Bible says cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And it's something that Isaiah and Hannah knew about. It had been foretold 
but they didn't get to experience as we do, as we have. God is able to redeem the very, very worst parts of our lives. So today, these are God's words for you and for me. Come to me. Bring your thirst and let me satisfy and sustain you. Seek me. Call on me today. Now. I'm near. Change your ways. Take your sin seriously and get rid of all those bad ways and bad thoughts and turn to me. Turn to me. I'm not like you. I'm not like the world. My ways and my thoughts for you are far beyond anything you can imagine. I have mercy, generous forgiveness and love, deep love for you. I read this beautiful quote just to finish up today and it says that God loves to respond to his people if they would but dump in his lap the ruin and wreckage of their lives. Is God calling you to come to him today? I just want to invite the worship team to come back now. And we're going to end our service with another song to worship our great God. But as we sing and as we worship, as we gather together in this place to bring our sacrifice of praise to God, I want you to think about honestly... Honestly, how is God challenging you today? If you need God to change something in your life today, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer today. There are people here who are have bolstered faith and who are ready to believe for that miracle for you today. Do you long for that day-by-day, moment-by-moment connection with God? Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you have ever heard about God and his love for you. I want to invite you to come too. Bring a friend or bring someone who's near you if you don't want to come alone because we want to pray with you. We want you to know God's love for you. Maybe you have been a Christian for a really long time but it's been a long time since you've sat with the Lord and since you've connected with him. Please come forward. If you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need the body of Christ to believe for something in your life that you can no longer carry on your own, then come forward. You know, coming forward, it's very bold and it's scary. But I promise you, if you come forward on any week, there are people in this room who are cheering you on. And if you are bold to come forward with your needs or the things that you need to bring before God. You might just encourage someone else to be brave too. 
So we're going to sing and we're going to offer a sacrifice of praise to our great God. And if you'd like prayer, don't delay. Nothing is impossible for our great God. Come. Just come.